Hello, everybody. It is Tim. It is the Honor Roll. Welcome back, Honor Roll. Episode 6 of 2022. I believe it's episode 6. I never know. I should write these down somewhere or look at what I've posted before I sit down to record these. I want to start this episode by issuing two formal apologies up front. The first, of course, is to you, dear listener. I took a week off. I We, we were traveling. I came down with a cold, a head cold as well, so I sounded pretty bad for a little bit. It was mostly just congestion and stuff. This is the time of year. Allergies, all sorts of stuff. Wasn't sleeping well, all sorts of, but you don't need to, you don't need to get that. My second formal apology, though, is more important, and it is due to the head cold, I missed, I want to apologize to Dr. Michael Morbius. I missed seeing his new movie in theaters because I could not go. I was too sick. I was not feeling well. I did not want to get anybody else sick. Um, and I will not torrent. I will not find a cam version of Dr. Michael Morris' new movie. I know my fellow compatriots here on the Midwest Podcast Network, the founder Alex, Nick, Willie, Gojo, they all went to see it. They all raved about it. Talked to a couple of them since then. They can't stop talking about it. They love the movie so much. I'm sure they will record a multi-part episode that will hit the feeds at some point. I, I, I'm I guessing a six-part a six-part series covering the entire film will be will be out probably, I don't know, it might take them a little bit, maybe this week or next week, but like I said, they loved it so much, they can't stop raving. I just, my phone has been blowing up for days. I feel a FOMO, is that the term FOMO? Fear of missing out? I feel like I missed out and I should have had them. I should have had one of them just FaceTime me in so I could watch a log with them because I don't know. I'll probably wait until video now to see it. I did see something in theaters, but it was before I got sick. Don't worry. It's not spreading around. I saw X in the theaters. So let's, let's talk about X real quick. This is the new Ty West movie that's been out for a couple of weeks now. I I told myself I was going to get out and see some of these movies, if I can, in the theater. I want to support, especially non-franchise horror movies like this. But X, in 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. Written and directed by Ty West, starring Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Brittany Stowe, Kid Cootie is in this as well. I'm going to do my best. This been, movie's been out for about a month, I think, now. I'm going to do my best not to spoil it for everybody. So, But there may be some slight spoilers if you have not seen X. So turn back now if you're super spoiler-phobic. But I'm going to do my best not to spoil this movie. Although I did have it spoiled for me. And I don't think it affected my viewing much, and by spoiled, I there's a po- there's a mid credit scene that I had spoiled for me, and that's that's out there. But it actually, in some ways, I think it added to to my viewing because I was watching along and kind of kind of picking up the clues as they went as to what this movie was about. Anyway, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm tap dancing around, but this is the other thing I want to talk about here is Ty West. I have recently rewatched all of his horror feature films. And I was not, we just did an episode on House of the Devil, so you can kind of hear my thoughts on Ty West 
as a director. I used to really, really dislike his movies, and I really, really disliked House of the Devil, and then a rewatch of House of the Devil, I softened out a little. I think I'm becoming soft in my old age anyway, but I was not a fan, and I still might not be a huge fan, but I think X is a great example of how the filmmaker has grown, and revisiting his entire horror filmography... I have not watched his non-horror movie that just came out. I'm blanking on the name, but I, I didn't watch it um, recently. I think it's got Ethan Hawke in it. I don't remember. Anyway, but I started with... Uh, well, I started with House of the Devil when we recorded, but I also watched Cabin Fever 2, a movie that West has disowned. And I'm not sure I'm not sure about that. I know he's disowned it. He's come out in an interview saying he disowned it, said his cut was taken away from him. I don't know the ins and outs. I don't, uh, as you watch the movie, I'm not sure what his cut would have done to make it any better. The movie is silly. It's sophomoric. It's trashy. You can see his influences on this. Uh, John Waters, especially. I'm not sure sometimes when filmmakers say, sometimes you just make a bad movie. And Cabin Fever 2 is not a great movie. What's funny about it is, though, I kind of, of his early stuff, I kind of feel like with House of the Devil, House of the Devil feels like a movie that's kind of a slave to its influences. And what's funny about Kevin Fear too is I feel like it uses its influences to tell kind of a silly, infection, zombie-esque, zombie-ish type movie. But it doesn't, it, that John Waters, that kind of trashy John Waters and those, those throwbacks is like some of those 80s kind of sex camp comedies. It doesn't overwhelm it for me. It kind of feels like what I want out of this type of movie that's inspired by those movies that kind of tells its own story. So I don't hate Cabin Fever 2. And for a while, I thought it was, I would always go back and say, yeah, that's my favorite movie of his. So it'd been a while since I've seen it. It holds, it's it's pretty nasty at times. I mean, there's a, um, there's a spit into the sink that I, I was taken aback by, I forgot about. But I started with Cabin Fever 2. Then I moved into, well, I, House of the Devil we've talked about. We talked about this a few weeks back. I'm still not crazy about, honestly, like I said, it, it feels like a movie that doesn't go any deeper than its influences. It kind of feels like it's sometimes kind of like a um, kind of like a family guy joke that you can sit there and point and go, oh, that's like Rosemary's Baby, or that's like The Changeling. And the middle portion is still unforgivably dull and there's one moment in particular I talked about a little bit on our episode Willie and I talked about but it's the use of uh, use of the soundtrack and there are songs in there that just feel like they're in there because Ty West was listening to them at the time and they don't go any deeper and there's a certain scene in X that I think goes deeper while it may be a little bit on the nose I think it it showcases his growth as a filmmaker and I'm talking about the landslide scene that actually uses music in a way to deepen the characters and deepen the plot and deepen the theme. And that doesn't happen in House of the Devil. And it feels like just a collection of influences, of things that Ty West likes. Sorry, it sniffled there a little bit. The Innkeepers was the next movie I visited, and that was next. I think this was 2011. Uh, this got a ton of buzz at the time. I don't like this movie. I think it goes off into... This is my least favorite of Ty West movies, and I gave it a second chance. And unlike House of the Devil, which I've, I've warmed up to a little bit, this one, I do not like this movie at all. And I don't I don't get it. I think it goes off onto... Or especially early on, it goes off on these weird, unfunny tangents. Um, the woman from Girls, the TV show Girls, I'm blanking on, the actress, she makes a quick kind of appearance, and that's kind of the unfunny tangent I'm talking about. 
we always, Wes likes to spend the first half of his movies getting to know his characters, and I appreciate that. The issue with the innkeepers is I don't like these characters very much, and I feel like the movie is condescending to them as well. Uh, the movie never, the movie never leaves. I, I don't think the movie ever leaves first gear, but it definitely never leaves second gear. It never gets scary for me. It's meant to be a comedy, but it, I don't find it very funny. <laughs> so The Innkeepers is not one that has grown on me. And I think comparing it to X, as we're talking about the growth of West for me, at least as a filmmaker, I like the characters in X and I like spending time with them. And I think they're funny. And I don't think there's kind of that condescension that, that honestly could, that could happen in a movie like that. And I think happens in The Innkeepers. The Sacrament, I had not seen this one. Recently, I think this was 2013. This was a first time viewing uh, about a weekend or so ago. And I had stayed away from it because it was made by Ty West and I was not a fan of his work. And I am glad I watched this movie because this movie is quite good. The Sacrament is quite good. All of his movies, his genre movies at least, all share thematic elements in common. But I think what they share in common is that they all follow groups of characters or a group of characters that are looking to belong and are looking to find something greater beyond themselves. And this, especially with the cult um, aspect, that also pops up, of course, in House of the Devil, but the innkeepers even. I guess we should disqualify Cabin Fever, too, because it's not really his movie, but the innkeepers features that as well, as, as the two innkeepers are kind of looking looking beyond themselves and kind of have found a shared interest. And I think X, X, the characters embody that as well. This is actually my favorite of his movies until X. I will just say X is my favorite favorite movie of his, I think, by far. This is, But The Sacrament is quite good. And what I think separates The Sacrament from a lot of his early work, uh, with House of the Devil and the Innkeepers, I never get kind of that ticking clock, that sense of dread in the background. House of the Devil gets too dull in the middle, and like I said with The Innkeepers... It feels like a series of skits, and I never get that building sense of, oh boy, something's coming. I get that with the sacrament, and maybe it's because I know, because it's based on real life events, I know kind of know where it's going, but it also has a great, uh, some great lead performance, and a great lead performance as well. So the sacrament is quite good. He stepped away from the genre for a while. He did some television work, I know he did, he worked on the Scream series, and we kind of covered that as well in our House of the Devil series, and I'm not sure if maybe... Maybe that helped him because I think as he comes back to the genre and X, I think you can see, I think you can see the growth and I think you can see storytelling growth, especially. And I talked about with that kind of sense of dread in the background. Well, he's able to spill, still spend time with the characters like he loves to do in the first half. I'm, I was always on the edge. I was always sitting there kind of waiting, like what's going to happen next? Let's talk about X a little bit though. I, as I said, I think this is his best movie. I like these characters a lot. There's not that shagginess. There's not that sen- sense of that layer of condescension or irony that keep kept me at arm's length with something like the innkeepers. I like sending time with the characters, these actors, Brittany snow, I think deserves a special mention. Um, she plays, she plays kind of the lead. I, I wouldn't say maybe aging is a tough word, but she, she plays kind of the lead porn actress in this movie. In the movie, I've seen the term sex positivity thrown out a lot, and sure, I, 
I sometimes think the internet is super horny <laughs> and sometimes sex positivity is a thing I get a like it is a term that has meaning but sometimes I think sometimes like it gets overused by certain quarters of the internet to just so they could use it as a a, a heightened term for because they like seeing people naked and there are a lot of there's a lot of nudity in this movie but I have talked about in the past how, how sexless a lot of movies become and this is not a this is not a sexless movie but it uses sex in a way that I think is really interesting, and we'll we'll get into that. The one thing, the one scene, and I talked a little bit about earlier that I think really separates X, honestly, from a lot of horror movies too, is the landslide scene, where, and that's Britney Snow as well. And the Britney Snow, of course, is a singer as well, and they use her talents here to sing the song "Landslide." Fleetwood Mac, I know the Smashing Pumpkin version a little bit. That's how I was introduced to the song when I was younger, was the Smashing Pumpkins version, the Billy Corgan version of it. But Landslide and Landslide is a song about aging. And this song is used in the movie to kind of deepen that. Whereas, um, I believe it's one thing leads to another, and House of Devil just kind of feels like a track he likes. But this is a horror movie about, this is a movie about aging. And specifically, we see about the physical toll aging takes on you. We see a lot of, when it comes to aging in horror movies, it's more about kind of mental deterioration. We get a lot of kind of what happens to your brain as you age. And that's scary as well. Don't get me wrong. But this is kind of, this is more about the physical effects of aging. And particularly on a person's ability, uh, without spoiling too much, the ability to perform sexually and how your body can just give out on you. And I don't even know if it's that. It's just physical performance in general. And there's some critique of religion throughout. There's uh, That's kind of always in the background, how it leads, how religion can lead to unhealthy repression of these things. But that's kind of getting too spoilery for me. But that's where I think I think the landslide stuff and maybe where what people are talking about the sex positivity aspect of it all. That's where where I think it's 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 the most interesting uh, how your body just kind of gives out on you and it it doesn't even have to be sexually. Like I mean, I wake up every morning and I'm sore just from waking up and it's a real real bummer. But but yeah, and I think it's great and I think it leads to a lot of the more interesting stuff in the movie to kind of to kind of chew on. If I had to pick out some negatives, I think Wes still lingers with his camera work and his shots a little too long for me. I think there are, this is not a long movie. I think it's like an hour and 40 minutes, but there are moments where even I was just kind of, I was getting a little bit impatient in the scene itself. Now I do think visually though, that leads to some terrific stuff. And I'm thinking of the scene, the alligator shot in the in the kind of the pond the swamp area in particular there is a character who is swimming and an alligator is kind of stalking the character from behind and i think it's i think it's evocative i think it's a i think it's a pretty amazing moment in the film and it gives you a lot to think about with that character and that's once again without spoiling too much but it's great stuff and even though i think he lingers a little bit i do think it is effective so bottom line what I like to do here on the honor rolls ask, is this on the honor roll? Is this going to make the honor roll? And absolutely. Uh, this is pretty terrific. It's mature. It's thoughtful. It's scary. I think X is Ty West is uh, Ty West's best film by, by a landslide, if you will. 
All right, I gotta get out of here. All right, let's we'll move on to the next one. But yeah, no, absolutely, X is fantastic, and you should see it. You should see it if you can in the theater because I think the theater experience adds a lot to it, seeing it on the big screen. And I think uh, you should definitely check it out when it comes out on VOD if you haven't yet. And I hope I haven't spoiled anything for you. But X is on the honor roll. All right. Sorry if you heard me take a sip of my delicious 7-Eleven exclusive blend coffee that I have because I was out of coffee and 7-Eleven is right down the road. It's walking distance for me. I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10. Master. Let's talk about Master. This is on Amazon Prime right now. Three women strive to find their place at an elite Northeastern university. When anonymous racist attacks target a black freshman who insists she is being haunted by ghosts, each woman must determine where the real menace lies. Directed by Miriama Diallo. Written by Miriama Diallo. Starring Regina Hall, Zoe Renee, and Julia Nightingale. Uh, the best, there is one really good bit in this movie. And it's the advertising, there's an advertisement for the university itself. And it's got them kind of using all these, and excuse me, for lack of a better term off the top of my head, these kind of woke buzzwords. Um, ugh, that's a terrible term, I'm sorry. I wish I could go back and erase that. But it's got all the faculty and they're on there saying, just basically saying, emptily stuff like inclusion diversity and all these things as a way to advertise their their university to essentially get money from people and it's it's the funniest part in the movie i think it's the most biting satirical part of the movie that kind of brands saying bay aspect to it that i think is using these words and i do think a lot of times when people react to negatively to these words it's a lot of the times it's these giant corporations kind of using them as a way for social media clout to essentially get money from you to get money from people that go oh aren't they great aren't they wonderful when really deep down inside there's a rotting center like there is at these at the university in this movie that's the best stuff in this movie the rest of the movie the rest of the uh, rest of master for me is really really missing that edge and it takes also takes too long for me to get to the scary stuff and it gets distracted i think by the the inner workings of the university itself which honestly isn't that interesting and i think is done most effectively in that faux commercial that i mentioned i think its heart is in the right place for a lot of it it, like I said, it's very focused on the inner workings and not in a horror-oriented way. It's really just focused on how these people interact with each other and how the how the school works. The re, the Regina Hall portion of the movie did not work for me as, at all, which is too bad because she's good and I like her as an actress. But it feels the two halves of the movie never come together in a satisfying way for me. The third act especially really falls apart. I will... There are probably other people, there are definitely other people who could talk about this better than me, who are more knowledgeable of, of what it does in the third act than I am, but it went off the rails quite a bit for me here. So uh, I don't have a ton else to say. The, these next few reviews are going to be kind of quick. I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it either. It is not, uh, the Master is not on the honor roll. I do think... Uh, 
visually Miriama Diallo. There's some talent there. I just wish uh, this is adapted from a novel, I believe. I wish the two halves of the movie came together a little better than they do. So Master is not on the honor roll. All right, next up, we'll do another quick one here, is Sin Eater. Christine finds herself in a town harboring a dark sequence, dark secret. As she tries to recuperate, she begins to discover bizarre religious phenomena around her. Directed by Carmelo Chimera. That's a, that's a good name. Written by Carmela and Nicola, Carmelo and Nicholas Chimera. The Chimera Bros. <laughs> Sorry. And a story by Robert O'Neill, starring Jesse Narud, Danny Bonin, and Scotty Bonin. This is like a... I've got Kindle Unlimited for three months because I like they have a the problem with Kindle Unlimited is their horror section it's really tough to find they don't have it they don't have it marked properly but the nice thing about a lot of the horror books on Kindle Unlimited is first of all there's a lot of splatterpunk uh, and I like that subgenre and I've been kind of into that but it's also a lot of books that you can knock out in a couple of hours. You can knock it out in a weekend. You can knock it out even in a day if you have the time to sit around. I've done that, like where I've just opened up my Kindle at night and knocked out knocked out a book in a couple of hours. They're, they're short, novel, almost novella-length um, novella books. And they're also, they're also kind of wacky. And they're also maybe sometimes they vary in quality. But you can find some, if you're in the right mood, you can find some good stuff on Kindle Unlimited. And so this, when I was looking at the box art, this reminded me of like a book you would find on Kindle Unlimited that you're kind of you're taking a risk on and you might find it could be good. You might find you might find a lot to like in it or it could be kind of bad. This is probably neither of those. My hope was that I would get something that is the equivalent of a fun weekend read. And what I got was a lot of meandering and some weird choices with the main character in particular. This book, also, this movie, the poster advertises Bill Mosley, and I'm going to say this, so nobody wastes their $2 thinking Bill Mosley is in the entire movie. He's in it throughout, technically, but you can tell it's stuff that they they had Bill for a day, for an afternoon, and they knocked it all out, and then they just kind of spliced in his scenes throughout the story. Anyway, what's this movie called? Sin Eater. Uh, this movie has a lot to say about organized religion like to the point where they should have just wrote an essay about organized religion this is very low budget horror i'm not gonna bag on the acting um but i thought that i thought the lead actress in this did a nice job but the poor girl her mouth is filled so she's in an accident at the beginning of the movie and then the rest of the movie her mouth is filled with metal her jaw is wired shut and stuff, and it, 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 because of the accident, has left her mouth kind of filled with metal. Sorry, I moved my hand in front of the microphone because I was miming the fact that I was trying to relate to you how tough it is to understand her in this movie. You can I watch movies most of the time with the subtitles on anyway, but I will give you fair warning. If you are ever going to watch Sin Eater, make sure you have the subtitles on because the lead character's her mouth is wired shut the entire you can't understand a damn thing she says um it is a honestly it is a bizarre choice to make to do this the i get why because of the accident and because of some of what they are going for thematically with kind of a woman's voice being stifled by this mostly male 
community surrounding her. But, goodness gracious, Chimera Brothers. Maybe at some point, take the metal out. Um, anyway, the movie isn't particularly great. Anyway, I don't want to rag at it too much. It's it's not on the honor roll. It's, it's a little too dull. It's not schlocky enough, and it gets preoccupied with what it wants to say about organized religion and what it wants to say about organized religion isn't particularly insightful. So for those reasons, it is not on the honor roll. All right. You might hear some paper rustling in this next segment. That's because I'm going to talk about the bunker game. The bunker game, after several mysterious accidents, a live action role-playing game is interrupted. I used to have LARPers, by the way, that I don't I think they've aged out. They don't hang out. It's kind of a bummer. So I haven't seen them. Oh, well, you know what? It's been winter. So you know what? They did get together. So essentially, I, used, I moved in to where I live now with my current wife. And we used to watch, sit out the front door and watch uh, the LARPers across the street. And they would get outside and they'd have their, like, fake swords. And they would do, like, LARPing, like, live action role playing. I don't know what they're playing. Sometimes it seemed like medieval fantasy stuff. And sometimes it seemed like it could be, like, Dragon Ball Z style stuff, but it was cool. They were younger and they were just, they were having a good time. They were buddies. And so they would LARP and we would, we would get entertainment and we'd watch them. And then COVID hit and it was a real bummer. <laughs> I mean, for many reasons, but one of them was because the LARPers weren't together anymore. And then like after lockdown one day and after the snow all melted and after people started getting together Again, it filled my heart with joy to see that these, even though they had aged, these the LARPers, the group of LARPers across the street, got back together again, and they started. They were LARPing once again. COVID could not kill their LARPing. I haven't seen them lately, but once again, it has been winter, so I'll keep a. They seem to be seasonal LARPers, of course, unless they uh, they probably like during the winter. I would guess like D and D is a proper alternative. Probably, I would guess. But hopefully I see them again. Anyway, back to the bunker game. The players leave the bunker while the staff remains behind to investigate the disappearance of Greg, the mastermind of the game, directed by Roberto Zazara, written by Man- Manuela Cacciamiani, Francesca Forsal. This I think this is an Italian film or like a it's it's over in the in the Europe area somewhere. David Orsini, Gaia Weiss starring Lorenzo Raquelmi and Mark Ryder. I do not, I watched this, so I mentioned I took a week off, and that was bad for this movie, because I watched this at the beginning of the window of this honor roll. I don't remember a damn thing <laughs> from this movie. It's not very good. So, a little peek behind the curtain, to, and also a little peek at how nerdy I am in some ways. I keep a notebook of stuff I watch to jot down notes as I watch it. And in addition to my Excel document where I log everything, but I took some notes. So I'm going to, what I'm going to do here, a little peek behind the curtain. I'm going to read through my notes, see if I can jog my memory on what the hell I watched with the bunker game there. So here's, so I'm just going to read through my notes. There's something interesting about being so bored. You pretend to be living during, oh yeah, yeah. During an awful time. So this kind of goes into a lot of like video game, like war video games, but they're playing, they're like LARPing around like World War II. So they're essentially fantasizing about being alive 
during World War II. And I think there's something kind of interesting about that and how people, uh, maybe people, these people seem to be pretty well off and how it's kind of like a fantasy of theirs to live out something where like, like I said, it's kind of like a dark time where they're, where like survival is at the top of their mind at all time. And I think it's just kind of an interesting, the movie doesn't do anything interesting about it, but apparently I found that interesting while watching it. Uh, this is another, oh, I got the role-playing game gone wrong subgenre. I've seen a couple of these recently in board games. Think of it like escape room stuff. So this kind of fits alongside those. Uh, the first half hour is all relationship drama. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote down get to the point. Uh, I wrote, wrote down why would someone LARP as a Nazi? I mean, yeah, that's kind of goes along with that. Uh, I wrote down an attractive cast. Yeah, this is a very good looking cast and they are, um, they do, there are some sexy things, <laughs> sexy things that happen. So, sexy as X. Uh, spooky things happen in a bunker. I just wrote that down. Yeah, that's pretty much what this movie is um, in the second half of it, finally. Uh, it's a nice looking movie. Nothing deeper so far, I wrote. Is this scary? I questioned. Not really. I wrote a lot of owls. I just wrote down a lot of owls. Uh, the Brits like owls, as evidenced by the uh, the Harry Potter movies, Hedwig. And then the final thing I wrote down, my final note here is, what is this accent? So there you go. Apparently there was a poor, a piss poor accent in the movie. So I don't know. This, uh, not very memorable. This is not on the honor roll. It was boring, apparently. So there you go. Let's move on. And finally, after another sip of my delicious, now cold, 7-Eleven exclusive blend coffee. Let's talk about something that you would, a movie that reminds you of like a van you might see outside of your local 7-Eleven because it's bitchin'. The Spine of Night. Ultra-violent epic fantasy sent to the land of magic follows heroes from different eras and cultures battling against a malevolent force. That's about right. Written and directed by Morgan Galen King and Philip Gallat. Starring Richard E. Grant, Lucy Lawless, and Patton Oswalt. This movie, oh, this movie's sweet. There are two major influence influences on Spine of Night. The Spine of Night. The first is animator Ralph Bakshi, who, of course, is known for, I would say, the first ever rated X animated movie in Fritz the Cat, but also, and I think more along the line of what this movie is influenced by, that Lord of the Rings from 1978 that I think a lot of people of my age are familiar with. This is this is what Lord of the Rings fans had before the Peter Jackson movies. But also Fire and Ice. And I think Fire and Ice is probably the main influence on The Spine of Night. Fire and Ice was co-written by... It was a movie that came out in the 80s. It was co-written by Marvel Comics writer Jerry Conway. Conway was known for writing. He wrote Spider-Man for a little bit. He wrote Conan, the Barbarian. But Fire and Ice is a, it's like a big sword and sandals, pulpy comic book aimed at teenage boys. And the animation here is very similar to that, the kind of rotoscope. It's not kind of, the rotoscope animation. That movie also is a collaboration between Bakshi and Frank Frazetta. And Frazetta does the poster art for it. And it's incredible poster art. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. If not, just Google it because it's great. But that movie and The Spine of Night use rotoscoping animation technique, which is tracing over live action footage kind of frame by frame 
producing graphics for animated and live action projects. Um, Max Fleischer invented it in the tens, the nineteen tens. Oh God, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it, he invented it as a way to create more realistic animations with kind of fluid, lifelike motions. In another movie that used this technique, in an obvious influence on the spine of night is heavy metal. I love heavy metal. The magazine, the movie, the soundtrack, the song, the Sammy Hagar song, uh, the South Park episode, which is the best South Park episode without question. But heavy metal is a movie that I used to watch with my friends growing up. Joy Matt and shout out. We used to get together... My buddy Matt had it, and he had a big bucket at his parents' house of big bucket of VHS tape, a big blue bucket of treasures, and it would mostly be wrestling tapes and stuff that he would just rant, like really cool stuff that he would tape off of cable and premium cable, especially if you catch my drift. But essentially, what we would do, we would watch these movies, and sometimes it would be really funny. So you could tell when his mom would come downstairs during watching. A lot of times this would be like when we were watching wrestling, he would order like an ECW pay-per-view and we'd be watching it and it would be on a really like crazy violent match. And all of a sudden it would flip over to like some sporting event or just some random channel because his mom had come downstairs and he did not want to see, uh, did not want her to see what he was watching on this tape. But anyway, so like a lot of the times that would happen, but he had heavy metal and VHS and we loved this movie because uh it had cartoon boobs in it and we used to quote it we used to say uh stupid bitch get away from me the Loch Nars mine um that was that was always one of our favorite quotes but really it was the cartoon boobs let's not kid ourselves here and this movie the spine of night also has those but that's the bucket of VHS tapes that is that that is the feeling sometimes you know what I'm just gonna be honest with you you can call it nostalgia call it what you will. I like to call it vibes. Sometimes I, uh, sometimes I just re- like to review movies based on vibes and the vibes it gives me. And this gives me bitchin' vibes. And this gives me vibes of VHSs I used to watch as a kid. This gives me painted on the side of a van vibes. This g- gives me smoke some weed, listen to Steppenwolf's and let's go vibes. I'm a big vibes guy. So, um, like last week, I was in the local comic book store and I've got Ghost Rider in the new Ghost Rider book. And the dude behind the counter asked me like, yeah, or he was talking to me. He's like, yeah, the guy just came in here and he was raving about this book. And I asked him why. And he's like, I don't know. It's just sweet. It's just cool as hell. And I said, yeah, that he's right. Like, did you want him to go any deeper? Because sometimes, especially with a Ghost Rider comic, you don't need to go any deeper. You just need to say, this movie is rad as hell, or this book is rad as hell. And The Spine of Night is rad as hell. I kind of loved it. There's a creation story. I'm always a sucker for a crazy creation story in this, but it's toward the end. It's so, it's so bitchin'. It's so rad. Anyway, um, if I had one complaint, and it's, I guess it borders on major complaint, I wish I liked the music better in this, and not just, like, I didn't want it to have a heavy metal soundtrack or anything. I get that. But the musical score itself was a little bit wallpapery at times. But The Spine of Night, it's on Shudder right now. Is it on the honor roll? Hell yes, this is on the honor roll. So that makes two movies. 
and is on the honor roll due to vibes. It's a vibes movie, and I'm a vibes man. So, that is two movies on the honor roll today. We are through, I guess we're through, so that that gets me through March. I have watched, let's do a recap here, through March. And again, I know this is coming out in April, and on the made feed mid-April, but I've watched 32 movies so far this year, and we have got nine on the honor roll right now. So, see for me, scream, Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster, the documentary, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it's still on there. It's going to stay on there. A banquet. Hey, maybe I'll take it. I'm not taking anything off. It'll just be on there. Hellbender, fresh. And now, from this episode, X and the Spine of Night. Two movies I really liked, and two movies that are vibes movies. Uh, no slasher search. We had one. Who's still in the lead on that? Charles Moyer? No, no. The Jack in the Box, baby. Hell yeah, and he should be. He should be. I'm glad. The Jack in the Box from Jack in the Box Awakening is still in the lead in the slasher search. I gotta find a slasher for next month to get this thing back on track. So that's it. Uh, I'm trying to get back on track here. Hope you enjoyed this. Um, I'm hoping to get another one out probably in a couple weeks. I'll probably still stick to the bi-weekly. Just took a week off. So apologies for that, I guess. So... <laughs> I like that strong apology. Apologies for that, I guess. Uh, check out uh, check out our episode right now. We just went to Cincinnati. We went to Horror Hound Convention. It's a really fun episode. We've got a, a cool episode coming out this week, and it's already up on our Patreon, patreon.com backslash MidwestPodNet, uh, where Willie, Nikki, and I review a bunch of crazy Lay's potato chips or just any potato chips we could find at Jungle Gyms in Cincinnati. Just some crazy potato chips. It's really good if you like uh, chewing noises because we just chew into the microphone a lot. So anyway, thank you everybody for listening and I'll see you next time.